Cassian gets put to work in prison. Deidre launches her investigation. Luthen visits Saw Gerrera and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap episode 8 of Andor. Hello there, and welcome back to the Sky Guys. Episode number eight of Andor is in the books. We went to a new planet here. We have the episode is entitled uh, uh, Narkina 5. And once again, I'm all your host, Mike Phillips. Joining me today, the man who's voicing the narration every single week, Pete Constador is here. Pete, how are you? Doing well. It's kind of weird that uh, live action Star Wars, we're getting to, to episode eight. Uh, it's it's going along, but yeah, it's it's uh it's great to be here again as always, and happy to watch uh, to watch and talk Star Wars with you guys. Yeah, it's funny you bring up because at this point, I mean, Obi Wan was done, Boba Fett was done. This would be the finale of Mandalorian. Yet we still got another month of uh, Andor after this. We do, we do. That's the uh, the weird part of it. This yeah. is probably the longest running. I mean, granted, Clone Wars and Rebels was a little longer, but we did it once a month. You know, we're doing a lot more episodes on one show. We're probably breaking records here, right, Mike? Yeah, we definitely are breaking some records here. And also with us today, he is running his own uh, Rebels Rebel group of partisans here. Nick Fryett is here. Nick, how are you? Doing great. Ready to talk about this episode. I, I, I'm not going to spoil you know, what I think about this one, but me and Mike spoke about this episode earlier a little bit this morning when we both watched, and my opinion is basically completely changed from when I spoke to him this morning, which is pretty interesting. That is very interesting. I'm not going to spoil where you were this morning. We'll get to yeah. it later on, but this is a lot of fun here. And Pete, as always, we are going to talk about, you know, how you can subscribe to the Sky Guys podcast. You can check us out on all the, your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for the Sky Guys in your favorite podcast feed. You can find them all there. If you're waiting for Just on the Suffering feed this week, might be a little later. I got an episode dropping in there on, you know, on Thursday night to Friday. This one's not going to be until Sunday. So you want it on Thursday, they have to record. Get on that feed. Get on that feed. Uh, it's super simple, free. So you might as well go and do it and get that uh, that extra uh, the extra days of listening, right? I mean, you get it early. Yeah, you can get it early, which is always a help here. And Nick, people want to follow us on the Instagram where they can see some of the new memes. How can they do that? Uh, at Sky Guys Podcast on Instagram, we do also do like a lot of clips from the episodes here. If you're on, if you can't listen to the full thing, you can do that. Yeah, the clips that we throw up on Twitter usually promote the episode are also going to be on the Instagram. So like that's a good place to check it out. Every usually Sunday. That's right. Out. Yeah. All right. You can also check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versus conversation is going to be up on the YouTube channel. All, all, all the graphics, all the fun stuff there. So I'll plug that out there. And Nick, we had no Star Wars news this week. We got some big news this week. Me too. So I have two pieces of news for us this week. If I forget anything, let me know. But uh, so there's apparently a secret Star Wars film by a David. Is it Lindelof? Is that uh, right? Damon Lindelof. Da oh, what did I say, David? Yep. Oh, Damon Lindelof here, and um, yeah, several sources close to the project say that not only is he directing the uh, developing the film, that the film's going to be directed by a Shereen. Obad Chinoy. I don't, you know, I, I can't yeah. tell you who she's, that is, but she has won some awards, Academy Awards. Yeah, she's also involved with uh, Marvel's Mrs. Maisel. She does, she's done that. Yeah, so 
that's the, the story. I mean, I'll say it right away. I don't believe this for a second. I don't believe any of this. I would be absolutely shocked if this ever comes up even again. Not even if this comes out, if this ever comes up again. Yeah, well, I think I buy this one. I feel like we heard the rumor before about the Lindelof uh, lost, I mean, uh, Star Wars movie here, and he has great bona fides, Nick. I mean, he wrote, he's one of the creators of Lost. He created Watchmen, the uh, HBO series of 2019 that won a crap ton of awards. It was really good. And Pete, I think the thing that encouraged me here is that, like, the article basically said, like, yes, I'm going to talk about, oh, we want to, it's not like a direct sequel to Star Rise of Skywalker. We're going to bring in some of these characters in the sequel trilogy. But Dave Filoni was in the room, apparently, when they had these meetings, these writers' meetings. So it's at least encouraging that. Somebody who's well-versed in the franchise is in there. Lindelof wanted to pick his brain. What's going on? It's encouraging, but I, I'm more of a, the skeptic side where it's like, I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, anyone could write an article about what's happening, and it could be just complete trash. could be bogus. So I uh, let's see. I'm not going to knock it, but I'm also not going to praise it yet. I, I, my point is, I'm going to say to this Nick here, is like, if this happens, it's good. this could be really good. Could be. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, so my reasoning for why I don't believe it is my second piece of news, which is Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy is apparently told to keep quiet about future projects. This was posted yesterday. Apparently, how do you pronounce his last name? Bob Chepik or Ch- Chepik? How uh, do you pronounce Ch- it? Chapik, I think. Chapik, CEO of Disney. Bob Chapik reportedly told Kathleen Kennedy, do not mention projects anymore until they are set in stone. Basically, they keep saying things are going to happen. Ryan Johnson's trilogy, Taika's movie, this new movie now, and none of them are happening. Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron, stop telling us stuff until it is confirmed, until you're filming. And I think that's where it came from, as he basically said, all right, another one with this lady? Stop. Yeah, Pete, to be fair, this is not Marvel where they could, they have constant deliver on things. In the movies, they have like, been misfiring on these deliveries for like, about at least six years, five, four, four or five years now. They they they've been they've been missing the mark since the sequels and during the sequels. I mean, it's just this is this is typical rumor mill. Let's get the fans excited and give them a glimmer of hope, even though we don't think or don't know if it's actually going to happen. So, I mean, it makes sense that someone comes in, you know, and Disney comes in and tells Lucas, "Hey, look, uh, well, not Lucas himself, but Lucas Arts, so you got you got to stop. You have to stop because you're either it's like it's not only just messing with the fans, you're giving us a bad look." Because it, it looks poor on the, uh, it looks poorly on the, uh, reflects poorly, excuse me, on the company because it's almost like they're not getting things done like they said they would. It, it's not really a great PR move, right? So it makes sense. I mean, they're the they're the uh, fr- firm that cry movie and they haven't delivered a movie yet. Well, that's what I'm saying. So it, sure. it's not a good look for them. It's not a good look for them. Let's get to the episode here. Episode yeah, that's eight. It, that's it for the news. That's it yeah. for the news. That's all I have. Unless do you have anything that I forgot? No, we just mentioned here, Tales of the Jedi came out today on data recording here. We're going to cover that in the offseason here because we want to give this the proper attention it deserves because this is sort of a spiritual, like, like spin like a spinoff of uh, Clone Wars. So I feel like it would not be fair to it if we rushed into it in its own in this podcast and give it its own separate space to breathe. Have you guys just, you know, real quick, have you watched any of it yet? I have not gotten to it yet. I was a little busy today. I'm planning to get to it soon. I watched the first two. And I like it a lot. Okay. A lot. That is good to know here. Let's get to the episode here at hand. Again, in entitled uh, 
Uh, okay, here. Narkina five based on the planet that Andor goes to for his prison sentence here, the six year sentence here. And I said, let's start off here. Let's start off with the Cassian prison sentence here. And uh, Pete, what did you think of getting to see the same episode with Cassian in prison, seeing the what the Empire does with his prisoners? Uh, it's very interesting. Um, I have to say, I wasn't bored by the arc at all. I was kind of afraid that if we stayed in prison with Cassian, that it would just kind of be a snooze fest. Um, judging on how the pacing has been for these episodes, I feel like we had the first three episodes were really good. Then this, the next three were like, okay, I can see where you're going with, but it was a little slow. And now I feel like we're starting to get a lot more information that means something. Um, and I think that this this prison sentence and, and the way they're portraying it was actually enjoyable and and it it looked cool. Like it was, I mean, being in prison doesn't sound cool, but the the way they did it made it made it very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? On par for what we thought the Empire would probably be doing to people. Yeah, absolutely. Here and Nick, I mean, we see when he gets like they divide everybody up. They send them on their different ships. They bring them to this planet, uh, Narkina Five, where and you're supposed to work in like a labor camp and we find out that while they're on the tr on the transport they make them take their shoes off and i remember the first time i saw the guards walking down with the oversized rubber sneakers i thought this looked ridiculous and then i realized like once they shocked the floor to basically like get like put the prisoners in line they saying oh this makes more sense now and this is like pretty damn brutal yes yes um it is and this is actually my favorite part of the episode this is something that I, I we talked about this, Mike, and I, I think the you know spoiler alert on what me and Mike talked about earlier. When I first watched this episode, I thought it was awful, and I thought about it more and more. And I actually like this episode a decent amount now, and it's because of this part, the Cassian in in prison. Because now I think I fully understand it, because I think that to me it was just like a oh he's being forced to work on a team. He was just forced to work on a team. We're gonna gonna do it again. That was my first initial thought. Now I'm realizing, no, this is like a Squid Game situation here, where the Empire is pinning these people against each other on purpose. Because what is the only way that these people can escape, or the only way that the rebellion can take down the Empire if they're unified? And if they're working against each other, they're gonna start disliking each other and working against each other, not with each other, and they won't be able to escape. So it's actually genius what the Empire is doing, and you can just see the the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the presence, the presence of fascism. Yes, that they're showing, and that that's something that like it may not be so exciting. Like even like Boba Fett riding a Rancor, Obi Wan and Vader fighting, but it's good storytelling. I mean, the thing that swept out of my mind that Nick was like right away, like the scene where they're basically showering everybody in one room. That was immediately reminiscent of like them trying to add their spin on like, okay, like, this is something that would happen in like the Holocaust camps in terms of like. This is the way they're saying, like, these, this is how the Empire treats us. And again, comparing it to, like, Nazi Germany to a degree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Pia, I want to touch on the Squid Game aspect and Nick brought up here. Because basically, the way this facility is set up here is that you everybody gets assigned to a floor. Then they're on a floor, they're in a room. In their room, they're working on teams to try and complete projects. And basically, the Empire structures that, okay, like, if you do the best, your conditions are better than everybody else's. Because, you know, you get the better food supply. You get some taste in the food. Worst case, you know, like your food sucks and like your like situation, living situation gets very poor. I thought this was very, like Nick said, very Squid Game as, and right down to the point where like Cassian's team has the one old guy struggling to do his job. So I thought that was very interesting. And though I don't know if this, this old guy is the same as the old guy in Squid Game is. 
Yeah, so uh, being someone who's never watched Squid, Squid Game, I know. Sorry. Um, being someone who's never watched it, I uh, I found it interesting, and I, I and I still made the correlation because I knew what the the theme was. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that old guy. I, I, it seems like Cassian's team, and I'm I'm not sure if this is well known or not. And this is kind of like me saying, I think Cassian's team is the more we have to work together to make sure he succeeds. So we all succeed. And I feel like if that old guy was on a different team, it would be like, no, no, you're, you're out of here. We're getting rid of you. So we don't suffer anymore. Um, and to next point, like it, it's genius what the empire is doing. If you're, if you're too busy fighting amongst yourselves, there's no common goal to fight against the bigger, the bigger bad guy. Um, so yeah, no, absolutely. It worked. Definitely did. Yeah, Nick, in terms of the Squid Game vibes here, I did, like, sort of feel like, you know, like, Cassian's team he's working with feels a lot like the uh, the main Squid Game team we were following. Yeah, well, I'll be honest. I, you know, Pete would say he didn't watch Squid Game. I I, uh, I watched one episode, so I don't really know what you're talking about with that stuff. But um, I also I did notice one fault in their plan. I guess it's not their fault, but I, you noticed he, Cassian has his uh, teammate, speaking sign language to another ship yeah another room or another yeah. section yeah. another room i think that it shows that although the, the, the emperor that the empire's plan is to keep these people against each other it seems like there's some sort of unity with within them where you see some sort of hope here with these people working together and that could very likely be how they escape now that character that's the guy from rogue one right uh, I, I think i'm not 100 percent sure so I know that there is a character from his name is um oh god R- R- Scott Melshi, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that not him? I think he's showed up later in the episode, R- Scott Melshi. So this is not him, the one talking sign language. No, I think he's one of Saw's guys. Ah, uh, no no, he was a prisoner. No, I know one of Saw's guys was there, so maybe that that's how like That's they, that's two tubes. Uh, yeah, two tubes is that I know R- Scott Melshi is there, so Where? Like, I think he's in the prison. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the prison. I just don't know if he's the one speaking sign language or not. Yeah. He's definitely in the prison, though. Yeah. Well, Where, well if, if, if it is him, it's him. If it's not him, then it's somebody else. But if you don't, for those who don't know, Ruth Scott Melshi was one of the guys who went with them to Scarif in Rogue One at the end when they recruited more people. He died in the battle, and it appears that he's in this prison with Kathy. I don't know if he's the one doing the sign language or not. It might be somebody else, but either way, he's there. I'm imagining he somehow helps Cassian get out. And that's why he trusts him and is with him in, in the battle of first, in the battle of Scarif. Yeah. And Pete, like one thing I think about this stuff here also is that we have like these four supervisors, basically like keeping track of everybody. And is he sort of like being the mini wardens on the floor, like running the competitions here. And this is our sort of our biggest actor cameo of the episode here. Like, it's weird for me. I saw as I see Andy Serkis basically in this role and like knowing that he's in a million things. He also portrays Snoke in the sequel trilogy. So what do you think about getting Andy Serkis here? He did well. Um, I also think that the character is also a well thought out character on the part of the writers because they have skin in the game too. They want to make sure everything goes right on their floor so that when their sentence is up, they can, they're free to go. Well, as far as they know, they're free to go. We don't know what the motivators are of the of the Empire yet at this point. You know, we don't know if they're fair and balanced at this point or if not. But I, my gut tells me they're not. And something's going to happen where he's going to have to stay a lot longer, that floor manager. But it, the, the characters develop well. Um, just kind of like right out of the gate. Don't mess up because it's my sentence on the line. And I'm going to make sure that you don't, you know, make me look bad. 
Yeah, Nick, he does mention he's like something like, "Oh, I have like 289 days left on my like on my sentence, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish it up here." And another another prisoner mentioned the cast. He's like, after the Aldani heist, everybody's sentences were doubled because they wanted to have more rebel activity going here. I feel like we're definitely gonna see that this this guy, Andy Circus's character, gets screwed here. He's gonna definitely have his sentence extended. Yeah. Um. So let me help me understand something here. He he's a prisoner, but he's also in charge. He's like basically in charge of his group of his floor guys. So like, okay, so he's still a prisoner though. Yeah, like he's like basically like instead of hiring a warden, saying we're yeah. gonna have you like like keep an eye on all these people. Okay, and and does he not count as a as a live action cameo? Is that not are we not led to believe that Snoke? <laughs> no, I, no. It, it, it is it is Snoke, right? Well, it's Andy Serkis playing a, playing a human. <laughs> is that the first time we've seen in Star Wars an actor play more than one character? I mean, we've done we've done the voice actors a couple of times, cycle over, but definitely, yeah. And I guess you, know, I guess technically he is a voice actor. He does motion capture too for Snoke, but I yeah. guess he's technically the voice actor, not the physical actor. I guess there was none for Snoke, but um, we know this plan or this setup is going to backfire against the Empire because obviously Cassian is not in jail in the next five years. He's a, rebe- a member of the rebellion and he's a captain of the rebellion, so it means he's probably been there a while. And he brings Ruscott with him. So you would imagine they get out of jail. So how is this not gonna work? We know it's not gonna work, but how? Yeah, that's gonna be a fun one to see here. And P also just think we got a time jump here where basically he says like they think we have like a point. I think they jump a month basically of his sentence here. We see at the point he's become a well well member of his team, that they're working well to build the Whatever the Empire's on, there's like some kind of weaponry they're working on here, but like, as you can see, he's sort of taking information in and like just observing his surroundings before we see that he's kind of, you know, getting the lay of the land. I don't know if he actually has any plans to try and work an escape out yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm super happy they actually did a time jump and they didn't just say the next day, okay, he's a master at doing this assembly line. Uh, I think it's fair i don't really have much more to say other than like it was a good like i said a good decision to do a time jump it's not too far in the future where he lost so many days elsewhere in the world um or in the in the universe of, of star wars but it's enough time to be like okay it makes sense that he knows what he's doing now and he's he's kind of just like moving at a faster pace and part of a team and everything like that yeah that's for sure i think we could leave the cassie story on here nick unless there's anything else you want to add sorry i couldn't unmute i do have one more thing to say is that um, what the Empire's done, another thing that's brilliant that they've done to have the prisoners go against each other is they're not being extreme. They're, they're, everyone knows about what happened on Aldani. Yep. And because of what happened on Aldani, what's the, the code word? Like R-H-D-O or something? I think so, yeah. I, I could have got the acronym wrong, but it's essentially doubling everyone's sentence, right? Yeah, they said one of the so, prisoners told Cassie that. So the prisoners are under the impression that the rebels are the reason their extension is doubled. So they're not going to work for the rebels. They're going to hate the rebels. So another reason that they're pinning people against each other is because is another reason the empire is pinning against people against each other to help them not team up and work together to take them down. Yeah, it's a good call by the empire. They're rare Brit of uh, competence from the empire in this in this trilogy. Let's go to more competent empiring. Let's go to Deidre's investigation here and. We get another meeting here at the ISB with, with Yawar in his back, listening to the briefing here, and she basically lays out this plan here. And Nick, I think this did go pretty well for Deidre. She seems to have a good grasp of what's going on here. So it did. Now I have to say this: 
and uh, for the audience, I apologize because it's been about six weeks. Mike, I learned today that her name is Dedra. Is Dedra? Yep, I learned that today. All right. Well, we'll, we'll call her Dedra from now. So on. we'll call her Dedra from now on. Same but here. She over uh, wrong. <laughs> yep. So I, I learned that today, but she has been, um, I guess you could say, the most successful character in this show in terms of when we met her, where she was, and where she is now. She has risen through the ranks of the Empire with her investigation and kind of shown everyone that she's right. She obviously put Blevin to shame. And she's getting somewhere. And I think that's that's interesting because no one knows where Cassian is right now. He's going, he's going under another fake name right now, so it's going to be really hard for her to find him. But you know they're going to meet face-to-face in the season. If they don't, that'd be really weird, right? Yep. So... She's gonna win this investigation. Well, not win it, but at least find him. Yeah, or yes, I could see maybe the face to face is sort of the end of the season. I could see that being the uh, like one of the last things we get is them meeting up. Yeah, could be. Yeah, and Pete, to get for a longer investigation, we get to bring our boy Karin back into the mix here, and apparently we find out that while he's been supposedly keeping track of fuel lines at his, at the Bureau of Standards, he's been running searches for Cassie and Andor about five or six times without permission from the bosses, and then. That gets Deidre's attention there. Deidre shows up and basically interrogates him to get what she wants here. How do you think this interaction played out here? Because I think Karn comes out looking like a complete idiot again. I mean, it's expected. I, uh... Karn... He's a hard character for me. I, I, I want him to kind of rally and come back and become that, you know, that bad guy. But from the looks of it and how they really grown his character, it's almost like, oh, look how pathetic he is. You won't give up, and it's just like no one cares, and even Dedra doesn't care, and it, it just—it kind of almost makes me feel like this character is not going to have a comeback until season two if he's still around in season, you know, to, to season two. I feel like it's going to be one of those deals. Um, I could be completely wrong, um, but it—I grow. I, it's funny when I first met Karn and in the episodes, and then we saw like the whole you know mother interaction. You just you start to invest a little bit more in the character. Go okay, he's going to come back stronger, and it's just. After this episode, I'm like, eh, maybe you won't, and I really don't care. Yeah, I think, uh, Nick, I feel like that Karn is destined to be Lucy. Like, I mean, Charlie Brown getting the football like, picked up like under him by Lucy the entire season because, I mean, he does help the investigation. He basically goes to the report that Blevin basically made him sign without looking at it. He gives it gives Dedra the information. He's like, thank you. Like, you're, you'll be regarded, you'll be praised by the Empire for your service. And he basically tries to take this and say, great, give me a job. I can help you. And she's like, don't push your luck, kid. Get back to go back to checking out fuel lines. I thought again, like he just gets like owned every chance he gets. I'm not with you. I think Karn's very strong in this episode, and I'm very excited about his future. I think he finally got what he wanted. He got recognition for the Empire. He's still not there yet where they're signing him on to the long term contract, but I think he's getting his recognition and he's trending in the right direction now. And I think you can see him even smiling when she leaves the room because he's getting what he wants a little bit. I think he's on the way up, and I still don't know his direction, if he's going to join Deidre's investigation and be part of the team to take down Cassian, or if we're going to see a last second, you guys didn't hire me kind of thing, and go against him and help Cassian get out of prison or whatever, maybe maybe help him out after he's out of prison. I don't know yet. I can see that going either way. But I think a very strong showing for him, honestly. You're right, he, he gets punked, but I think he's trending in the right direction 
know, my problem with Pete here, I don't, I don't think he could ever take well enough, leave well enough alone because like he does get the recognition there. He's like, where Dedra says, okay, you were onto something. Like you did a good job. Like he tries to overplay his hand and like, he has no leverage to basically get Dedra to hire him because like, like what has he done? Well, like considering he still has this screw up on, on, uh, Farrick's on his record here. It's not like that gets completely wiped away. Yeah, I think he's just he's just kind of grasping for straws here. He's just really just he's just trying to to get anything to try to get back into where he was. I think he, I think that's what I, that's what he identified. Like it, that was his identity. That was him, and it got stripped because he didn't go about it the way he was supposed to, and and now he's in this mess, and he kind of has himself to blame for it. Um, but I can I can understand. It's almost like he's like an empty shell. You know, he's he's trying his hardest to get back to what he knows. Yeah, he is. And we'll put a pin in the Dedra storyline because she sort of comes back in the mix when we get to Far- back to Farrix here. But let's get let's go through Mon Mothma real quick here, Nick. We got another dinner party. So you got two for the price of one this year. Yeah, the dinner parties are always exciting. I, I enjoy the political talk, so I enjoy these parties, and I'm always looking. I, you know, it's always to not. It always to know. Uh, I don't know what I'm looking for. It's to know happiness, but I'm always looking in the background, trying to find a character that I recognize and be like, Oh my God, look, look, look. there's never anyone, but um, always exciting to hear the politics. She meets with her. Fr- What's the friend's name again? Take Halma. Yeah. So he's wearing, I saw this, that what he's wearing in this episode is the original concept for Obi-Wan Kenobi. They put it on him. It's pretty cool. Um, but I just, I enjoy the political talk and I think Based on what you hear with something we're going to talk about in a little bit, the Saw Gerrera stuff, I think it's time that Mon Mothma comes out of the shadows once she gets her funding, and I think she will. And I'm very excited to see that. I think we're going to start seeing an alliance form. Yeah, and speaking of alliances, Pete, we do get like more references from her basically telling, talking to some of the other senators of how she's basically the head of the Separatist wing, that she's working with a lot of the worlds used to be like in the Separatist side in the Clone Wars before they came basically got forced back into the empire here. So I thought that was interesting that we got that clarification in terms of like, she, like, even though like she comes from basically a rich world that she's basically still like on track with supporting like the people who, in the end, the separate sort of had the right idea that Palpatine had too much power. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. I mean, I I think it's very interesting. I also think it's very interesting that she is probably the first and only right now Senator or someone in power in the empire who's openly against the emperor. I mean, it's it, she doesn't come out and plainly say it, but I mean, there's a lot of talk about the things she's doing to say the emperor's being egregious, the emperor's overstepping, the emperor's doing this. She's probably the only one, and that's probably why a lot of the people were like not mocking her, but a lot of people didn't. Probably was like, yeah, okay, and you're the one that doesn't like our emperor, you know, ha ha ha. It's like uh, she's actually being serious, and and she's probably trying to play it off as a joke so she doesn't get kind of like picked off here because she's the only one that's openly against the guy. Yeah, Nick, we do get a lot of talk from, uh, from these other senators, like, oh, like, you're trying to, like, do this so-and-so bill, and they're like, it's like, oh, just another attempt to try and prevent imperial overreach, so, like, I think at this point, Pete's right, she's just sort of calling, like, a running joke among her fellow senators, like, she's trying to fight the, em- the Empire through the wall, and she's never gonna win. Well, I got news for you. She is gonna win. Yeah. Because I know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you, what I find really interesting is that as the show goes on and we learn more about Mon Mothma, we learn, as you mentioned, she comes from a rich a rich planet, right? Yep. And a rich background, probably a rich family. And you can see she's losing touch with all that. She, her and her husband are in a 
barely relationship. Her daughter and her are in a barely relationship. And even other things in her life you could see falling away from what she was used to when she was younger, like the drink they all have. Yep. They all put the worm in the drink, right? Yeah. Uh, from her planet, and she doesn't even drink it anymore. She's losing touch with that side of herself and becoming more of a a rebel. Yeah, and P.L.'s love is interesting here that, like, she says also, like, I became a senator at 16 years old, and, like, she's fighting for all the noble causes, like, where there's a lot of parallels to Padme Amidala from the original, from the, from the prequel trilogy. So you basically sort of see, like, like all the stuff that Padme was doing basically sort of transfers into Mon Mothma. That's sort of keeps the flame going. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. It was, um, it was definitely a correlation. I think it's a, it's a nice kind of callback, if you will. Yeah, absolutely is here. And Nick, one thing I want to mention before we move on from the Mon Mothma storyline here, like, Am I to believe that this, we cut to this party twice? Basically, we go once and then Tay Kama's there. Second time, he's gone. Then Mon Mothma asks where he is and basically gets like a very mysterious answer in terms of like where he is. Like, are you he just ducked out of the party on his own? Did the Empire grab him? Like, what happened here with Tay? I don't know. I don't think he's to be trusted, though, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think so. And, um, and, oh man, I had something to say, but I don't think I would have been able to remember it. About, I'll, I'll get, give me 10 seconds. I don't remember. We'll move on. It's about the dinner party, Mon Mothma. Let me go to Pete for a second while you think about it here. Because Pete, did All you, right, do that. Pete, did you have any theory on what happened with Tay Kama? Like, did, you, did I miss something with that? My theory is almost kind of like with Nick's. I, I think he's playing some sort of double agent. I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed, like, even the daughter is acting super weird. I noticed that in the dinner party, like my mom. Like it's almost like they're they're like they're um like they're all planning against her or yeah. something like that. Like it's just always it's just always very not awkward. Usually usually the daughter's very like this like rebellious teen, like I wanna go in my room, I wanna go like this time she's like very like, Oh yeah, I, I met him, yeah, we met. Okay, all right, bye. I need to go. I need to talk to my father. It's 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 definitely hiding something i don't know if he's involved but that was something i picked up while he was on screen that there's all these awkward moments of like we can't talk about we, i need to go like it's it's, it's something something's up with that character or how that character's involved with her family yeah and nick i, I didn't remember the thing yeah and nick i also say too that like my mom is clearly spooked by this, this interaction at the end too when she's like walking away from that conversation you can see look on her face she's like something is not right here what's what i was told yeah, I think it's possible that they kind of like ratted her out, maybe. And we're going to see like some sort of uh, discipline on her or something. But what I was going to say, I remember, is that you had mentioned something about Padme Amidala. Or should we say Padme Skywalker? Yeah. No one ever seems to call her. But she couldn't leave. Uh, she couldn't I, guess leave she, I guess she kept. I guess, yeah, I guess she changed her. I guess she kept her name for, for work purposes. But um, the reason that you see them so similar, I think, makes sense because remember deleted scenes in Star Wars are canon. Yep. And there is that deleted scene of them in Revenge of the Sith. I think it's right after the Empire is proclaimed by the Emperor, where they're kind of discussing and you know the the early, early, early stages of a rebellion. So I think it makes sense because they clearly agreed on that on that front. Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah, let's move on to another story here. Let's go back to Ferrix here. And Pete, we haven't we spent a lot of time on Ferrix. We haven't been there like significantly for a while. Uh, yeah. I mean, are you asking me? Do we spend enough time, or are you? I say you're happy. We spent some spent some time there. Oh, yeah. Happy. yeah, I hear that part. Um, 
I'm okay with it. I think it makes sense. I don't think it was like, oh, wow, I haven't seen this play in a while. I'm glad they went back. It's like, okay, you have to show this part of it because now Dedra's involved, the mother's involved, Bix is involved, and we'll get to all that too. And I think I think it makes sense. I think it's it fits fine. And Nick Brasso's back. We had seen him since Vermeer. That's right. Um, this reminds me a lot of – so, Pete, what, what are you up to in uh, in Game of Thrones? I just finished season six, so I got the two short seasons coming up, and I'm ready to get disappointed. So, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much when it starts. So um, you've seen – what you've seen so far is – and this reminds me of this. We have all these storylines that are separate, and this is similar in the Game of Thrones seasons. And pretty much where you are now is when these characters start coming together. You see that in Game of Thrones with, I believe what you're up to, you see Sansa and Jon Snow come together where you are now. And you start seeing that here too, where like we're seeing Dedra and Bix in the same room. We're seeing the mother and Dedra and Bix are all on the same planet. Like we're starting to see these characters and 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 uh what's her name was there too? Um Oh Vel and Cinta. Vel and, and what's the other one's name? Cinta. Cinta, Bell and Cinta there too. So you're seeing all these characters come together a little bit, and it kind of reminds me of that. And to be honest, this is my least favorite. Although that is really interesting, this is my least favorite part of the of the show right now. I'm not really, I don't really find it important. Maybe I'm missing something. Like, what is so important on what's happening on Ferrix right now if Cassian's not there? I think this is more sort of like backstory, in my opinion. It's like sort of like, like these are all people who are important to Cassian on this planet, and like sort of like connecting the pieces. Sort of like the way I look at it, sort of like this is the gathering on the Cloud City before Luke Skywalker shows up. Okay. All right. I feel like I oh, saw so th- Ah, I see. So you think he's going to show up and then this is going to say it's a trap. He's going to go anyway. and Something like that. So there's something, something like that yeah. happening here down the line here. But that's a couple of quick hit things here. And Pete, we find out that we remember last, like last week that Cassidy's mother did not want to leave the planet and basically find out from Vix and Brasso that she's really sick right now. And like she is basically on, on death's door and like we don't know how much longer she's going to be with us. Yeah. I mean, uh... <sighs> I wish there was some sort of explanation unless I missed it. It's just very out of the blue. Like, yes, it's been 30 days because he's in prison or however many, how many days after he left his home planet. Right. Um, I'd like to know why did something happen with the empire? And that's why she fell quote unquote, you know, and got dizzy and fell. Like I just, it, it seems very vague right now. Maybe we'll get those answers. Um, but I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of on Nick's side with the whole story arc being kind of bled for me. It's like I we don't need to. I get you want to see what's going on with the mother and and Bix and them, but like there's other ways you could do it. So as much as I took it as good information to have, I just felt like you didn't need it. Yeah, that's for sure. That's, for, that's the mother's side here, and when you see Bix work with Brasso, like and they're sort of trying to care for her, and then Bix just takes upon herself, Nick, to go try and contact Luthen and like get in touch with him and like basically gather some information on where Cassian is and figure out, like, his mom is sick, let's get him home. And doesn't here we see that she goes to her little radio tower and kind of hit the call, and it goes to Luthen's shop, and Clay is there, and it's like, we have to cut them off. They're too they're too much of a mess here. It's too risky here. And Luthen admittedly wants to go talk to them, go talk to them, and he feels bad about how Ka- things end with Cassian. So, like, what do you think about this? Interesting, because uh, it can go a number of ways. Is Luthen really feel bad about the way it went with Cassian or is he out to get him and find him? Is Does that mean Cassian's going to show up and then he's going to come face-to-face with Dedra? That seems like the most likely scenario. Or 
could something else out of the blue happen? It, it just it, it, it leaves a lot of open roads here. And my issue with this storyline is with his mother. Because I don't want to see her now. I want to see her in the flashbacks and how she changed Cassian from the boy who I guess couldn't speak English when they got him, right? Yep. So what he is now, that's what I want to see. I want to see, I never thought I'd say this after Boba Fett, but I want to see more flashbacks. And that's where I want to see the mother is in those flashbacks with um, Clem, the father. Yep. I, I want to see them with Cassian. And I want to understand more about that flashback we got because I still don't get it. We have this, the, the Confederacy logos on a, on a Republic ship and he, I just don't, under, I still don't, I feel there's a lot more to be explored there. And if we're going to use his mother in the storyline, I think that's the way to use her. Not so much now. Yeah, I think that's for sure. Here. And Pete, what did you think about the Luke's, the decision? Um, basically, Claire putting her foot down saying, Luke, and you have to cut them off. I feel it was interesting here. Like, she's sort of become like the, she's basically the enforcer and like the, the, like, uh, clear mind because Luthen when Luthen gets like emotional because like most of the time he's pretty cutthroat but he's he has like a blind spot with Cassian. This to me was very I don't want to say Roken esque, but it was very flip flop. I mean literally last episode we have Luthen telling Mon Mothma, hey, like the intention is people are gonna suffer. That that means it's working to letting his assistant tell him what to do. And I understand where she's coming from, but I also don't understand why the strong-willed people are going to suffer rebellion leader that Luthen is or whatever he is, is going to let her be like, you need to cut off communications now. Like this is, you're not thinking clearly. It's like, uh, sorry, I'm Luthen. I thought his response would be like, I'm Luthen. You're not thinking clearly. I know what I'm doing. I've been leading this whole thing. So it was just kind of weird to see that flip-flop. Nick, I just think Thera has thought of here with the whole Clea situation. Because remember last week when Vel gets the marching orders to go eliminate Cassian, that Clea is the one who delivers them and says, Luthen told me to do to, to do this. And Luthen's exposed here. So he's possibly just acting on her own here and like doing her making her own decision here, saying that like, Cassian's a problem and Luthen won't take care of it. Yeah, we have a lot of things in the show that I find interesting like this, similar to um Cyril Karn. I don't know which way it's gonna go. Is it gonna turn good? Is he gonna go bad? So this is it Luthen telling her to do that or is she acting on her own? If right now, if you had a guess, you would say she's acting on her own. I think based on this interaction this week, I feel like she's acting on her own. But if it turned out to be Luthen was telling her this stuff, would you be shocked? No. Yeah. Same. Like I, I agree with you. I, I think it's probably her acting on her own, but I wouldn't be shocked if Luthen was telling her to do this stuff. So I, that's what I find really interesting is, I don't like a show where I know what's going to happen in the last episode. Like you watch the, the, the you know, like the Both superhero it. show or whatever, like a superhero movie. And you're like, you know, what's going to happen in the third act. You know, they're going to be the bad guy. That's it. So this is interesting because I mean, we know Cassian is going to live and most likely end the season victorious in a way, but I don't know what's going to happen with Luthen. I don't know what's going to happen with his assistant. And you know, what's interesting is, a lot of times in prequels, this is considered a prequel to Rogue One, right? Yep. In prequels, you know who's alive and who's dead, and you're just like, I don't care what happens to them then because I know they're not in the other movies, so like, I don't care. I'm actually interested in these characters now, and I think that speaks volumes to the development of them. I want to know what happens with Luthen. I want to know what happens with Saman Mothma's husband. Just because he's not in the shows or the movies doesn't mean he's dead. 
doesn't mean they don't love each other, like each other. It doesn't mean anything. So it could go a number of ways, and I'm excited to see how it's going to all play out. Yeah, P, I do think that Nick makes a good point here. I feel like that we got a lot of these like morally like, ambiguous characters. I think it does make it much more interesting where it's like you get when you watch, like, for example, Boa Fett, like, oh, like uh, the twins are bad. Like, uh, Fennec is good now. Like, we don't really, like, there's no really shades of gray character on, on some of these other shows that we have here. Yeah, I mean, the more and more we talk about it, and the more and more we, we try, we, we see actors from Game of Thrones, I feel like this is Game of Thrones Star Wars. Yeah. I, I, I don't know about you, Nick, but there's a lot of times when I'm watching Game of Thrones where I'm like, I don't know if I trust this person or not, or I don't know what side, even though it's clear as day what side he's fighting for. Every not- single person in that show. <laughs> It's like it's like I don't. It's almost like they've taken the, the a book out of the Game of Thrones page, and there's like I said, a couple of actors and actresses that actually play parts in Game of Thrones in this show, and they've made it Star Wars, and it's it's making it very intriguing. Now that probably sounds hypocritical of me because I said the last three or four episodes were kind of on the slow side, but as a whole, looking at it in a bigger picture, eight episodes. If you watch them all eight, it would make it a lot better than if I'm waiting week to week, right? And we'll talk about that a little later in the episode. Um, but um, but yeah, yeah. The way I pitched it to uh, our friend John Stanko, Pete, was like I talked to him recently for our Hall- for the Halloween pop culture party on Justin Suffering podcast. He he's watched at this point. He finished Rings of Power. He's working through House of Dragons. Got one episode left of. He has getting to get to Andor after this. The way I pitched it, they basically said this is prestige TV for Star Wars. Is the way I put it, which basically fits in exactly what you're saying. I agree. I completely agree. And Pete, when you're done with Game of Thrones, watch House of the Dragon. It just finished, and it was awesome. All right. I mean, the first season just finished. There'll be a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing here with the, I mean, we could more points on get to on Pharisees. Number one, we see Vel and Sintar there. They figured out that's where Cassian comes from, and they're sort of staking the area out in case he shows back up here. I did think it was interesting, Nick, that of the group, like we know that Vel and Sintar are in a romantic relationship, and Vel is, seems to be more like, I want to stay with you. And Cinta is the one who's like, mission, 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 mission. We put the mission first. I thought that was interesting to actually play out. Yeah, one one way, one the other way. It's, inter- it's interesting. Like I said, like you just said earlier, these characters are not, they're not cookie cutter characters. They're not just like you paste them, copy and paste. They're all unique in their own way. And I think that speaks volumes to the show. The more we so you say, the more we talk about it, the more you think about how this show is really like prestige Star Wars TV, right? Yep. I don't disagree with you at all. I completely agree with you. But the more I watch it, the more I say Boba Fett with a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's really how I feel about this. Because the more I watch it, I'm like, oh my god, Boba Fett was bad. Yeah. Boba Fett's not even the same. Like, it's not. It's not the turn on the shoe of this show. Yeah, Boba Fett. I, I listen. I'll tell you this, and I'll be honest. I think Boba Fett was more exciting. Yeah, I was on the edge of my seat more on the Boba Fett episode, seeing like what's going to happen next. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's Mando. It's Luke Skywalker. It's Grogu. It's who's this guy? It looks like Chewie. There's Hots. It was more exciting, but it was obviously nowhere near as good. Yeah, it's basically like the way I'll say it. Uh, P's like Book of Boba Fett is like you're going to like McDonald's, like where you know like it's good, like you're having them all, but you're like. Uh, like 20s like why i do that whereas this one it's like you're going to the steakhouse you're getting the prime cut look the book of boba fett is hot garbage only watch it unless you want to know what's going on in mandalorian season three and how they connect season two to season three i you you know my opinion on on book of boba fett which is is has been contested on this podcast and also by the audience however uh it's 
it, it, Nick's right. It's like you, you, you start comparing. I mean, even comparing this to like the Obi-Wan Kenobi show or Mandalorian, this, this is, in my opinion, so much more intellectually stimulating and more like story building than I would say Mandalorian or Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan, the story was built and you got six episodes and it was cool, right? It was a really cool show. Really good, really cool show. But like, this is building a rebellion from the ground up and showing how that starts. And it's just, like I said, I was down on the show a little bit the past four episodes. The, you know, the fourth one we talked about, it was a little more up and now it's starting to, 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 to climb up a little bit again for me. Yep, here. And the last thing I think about Farrick's Nick is we see at this point that Deidre has her invest- investigation set up and running here, and we see that they're going ahead and basically trying to p- p- put the squeeze on anyone who's tight to Cassie, and they see that the Stormtroopers raid Bix's shop, grab the co-worker she has, and Bix herself gets arrested, and then she basically puts a show on and says, like, look what I did to this guy. Like, you like you need to cooperate or else, basically. So I thought it was interesting that she's pulling the intimidation tactic out on Bix because she figured out that she's the key to getting a hold of Cassian. Yeah, she. If anyone there, oh, I guess his mother too, but like those two be, and maybe even his friend, but more so them two. Those are that's the key to get Cassian there. But they don't realize is Cassian's not not there because he doesn't want to be. He's in jail, and they don't know that, <laughs> which is kind of funny. They make it seem like, oh, we'll get him here, and then they're going to find out, oh, you actually have him already. You actually hold him as a prisoner right now, but they don't know that. Yeah, he's building weapons for you. You don't even know it yet. Yeah. Yep, that's that's for sure. And we're also going to get here. I think let's put a wrap on that storyline. The last one I want to get to here is Luthen's meeting with Saw Gerrera. I think it was one of the highlights of the episode for me, Pete, because we see Saw get there. We see that he has some his old buddy Tutu's there. We've seen in Rogue One. He's keeping guard on this place on the plant on the plant to look up here the name of the planet. It's on my other track here. It's on uh Segramilo. And we find out that he's hiding out here. They're trying to barter for parts. And there's this thing here that like they have a discussion about like who should work with who. And there's this thing that Saw basically calls out Luthen for having uh all the humans like in his cell where he's like I like I have like a wider coalition of people working with me. So how long was this scene? Four minutes? Roughly. Okay. Best part of the whole episode. By far, hands down for me, the best part of the whole episode. This is the Saw Guerrera in live action that I've been looking for in that character. Rogue One, you see Saw Guerrero, who's been so over the edge and so messed up physically, mentally. He just, yes, he still has that radical characterization, and I understand that, and it's, he's still cool in Rogue One, but this is the Saw Guerrero that I've been kind of looking for since uh, we saw him uh, in, the, in the animated series. The, the, the conversation he has with Luthen and the question he asks him, like, what are you? Are you political? Are you this driven or that driven? just blew my mind how smart and how controlled he was to say, look, you can fight the rebellion you the way you want to, but my way is right. My way is safer. And I don't trust you, even though you're part of the rebellion. And it was, it was really good. I have to say the um, actors force Rick, right? Yep. Yeah. He phenomenal job, phenomenal job in the scene. And I hope I see, we see more of him in this, in the show. And Nick, people are fascinated at too because every scene we've seen Luthen at this point, he's basically been the one in control of the room, whether it's a Cassian, whether it's Mon Mothma, whether it's Bell. Here, Sawgrave basically puts him in his place, says, like, you'll get to tell me what to do. I know my way works. I don't trust your way. I don't trust you. So, like, you want my help. It's going to be my way. So, I thought that was a very interesting yeah. thing to play out. 
Definitely agreed. And this scene remind reminds the audience. Well, it reminds us because we've seen it, but the people who haven't seen it, it kind of tells them you have to. It shows us the, the importance of the Rebels TV show. Yes. Because we have all these rebels, and you can call them rebels, but their alliance to restore the Republic is the real name, and that doesn't exist. And you can see why it doesn't exist when you see conversations like this. When you have Saw saying that there's... He named off a bunch of different rebel cells, including himself, and said, my way is the best, and that's not going to work. Because we talked about it countless times already in this episode. It needs to be a unified effort, or they're not going to have a chance against the Empire. And to my understanding, but from what we've seen in Rebels, that won't be shown in this show. That'll be what you see in Rebels, is them coming together. Another thing I noticed is, uh, did you know this is Benthic is his name, Two Tubes, his real name yep. is Benthic, but it, they call him Two Tubes. This is his third live-action appearance in Star Wars already. Where's the third he one? Was, he's in Solo. Oh, damn. He's part of the, um, oh god, Enfys Nest. So he's been really, he's been just bouncing around Rebel Cells for years. And Enfys Nest was like the real first thing of the Rebels we ever saw. I, I guess before, I guess the real first thing would be um, Mon Mothma and Padme's meeting and Ren and yeah. Sith, but this, that, like, that was real early. And that's something I really wish they would do more with. I know, so I know we all talked about this countless times, Solo, how they blame it. We all know, you know, we know this whole story, but what that character, Enfys Nest and her group, was really interesting character, and I thought they would show it more, and they really abandoned it completely. They did, but I'm upset about that. They did. I also want to give you short give shout because Saul Gray was really voicing your complaints about this whole show. It's like, hey, where are the aliens? We only see humans on this show, and he does point out, it's like, there are cells that literally are just like relying on humans to do to do. What I was do. upset that the prison had no zero alien prisoners. Yeah, I was upset about that. I was, and the um. I think Mon Mothma's party had some aliens. I yeah. think. Yeah, I think, yes. Yeah, Saw's... Yeah, yeah Saw's... Yeah. Sorry, Pete. And Saw's people out there, of course, yeah. Pete, you were saying? No, I'm saying at the dinner party, I think it was like a total of two aliens. It wasn't a lot, and I, I yeah. think budgetary. I really think it's all budgetary, and they just trying to keep the cost down for the cinematography and everything going on in the show. Yeah, was, they? Saw, I found the term. Saw calls out human cultists as one group here. So I think that's interesting. Like, there's something they think they're aware of when they're making the show. They've had Saw, like, put a line to it. So as people like Nick say, oh, like, it's not something the show is aware of. It's not something that they're just completely ignoring. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, we'll get, we'll get more aliens in Star Wars. We know that. We got Am um, maybe an Amber Lackbar appearance in the show. You never know. You could. I feel like I'd rather have him on a team than anyone else I drafted. <laughs> That's for sure, but I think it's a good place to leave the episode because it's sort of a teaser here. I think we're getting more of song in the coming weeks, but let's go now to some of the trackers we do every week at the end of the podcast here. I'm going to start us out here with our character draft, which we are two-thirds of the way through the season here, and as of right now, there is no update. We still have zeros across the board, although Pete, I did say, like, the one ISB agent who was working with Dedra on Ferrix reminded me so much of Cal. It's not for a second they're going to say, oh, Agent Cal, is like you're getting a point here. It's never going to happen. I'm never going to win one of these. It's fine, though. Yeah. I understand. I think the final score is either one nothing or zeros across the board. Yeah, Nick, did that guy that, that uh, Dedra's working give you Callus vibes? Yeah, I think we, ha we each have one person who is still potential here. 
Mike, you might have two, maybe. Yeah, I don't think I'm getting three P. I think it's Bale or Credit on my team. Yeah, maybe, but I think I think Palpatine's a possibility. I think Cal- Callus is a possibility, but everybody else. Yeah, not looking good. I think the ship sailed now on Jin because Pete because we saw saw we did not see Jin so. I didn't even did you were you thinking that Pete when you were watching like is Jin gonna show? I wasn't thinking that. I forgot about that. I was I was that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking okay, they're hiding out. This is probably around the time that Jin is left with Saw Gerrera or Saw Gerrera finds uh, her. So like maybe it's like a really quick thing. She's on screen for ten seconds. Like oh this is Jin. Go 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 play or something. And I would now now, now that I think of that based on the timeline, it's right around that time she gets abandoned. Where she gets abandoned. She she, pro- she probably just left. They probably, probably. they probably just dumped. They probably left on the last planet when they paid to this one. Yeah. All right, so that's the character draft board here, but we'll leave that here. Maybe all these four last stories will get somebody on the board, but we're getting some of the other trackers action here. Nick, still no Hondo, though. He is stuck at 18. No Hondo yet, but we know that number will not be 18 forever. Absolutely here. Animated cameos, Pete, we're on the board because Saw Gerrera showed up to activate it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're count. even though we knew he was going to be in the show, we're still counting it because we want to see how many episodes they actually get the cameo, right? Yep. We'll count, we'll, count, we'll count him, so. Okay. Otherwise, that thing would stay at zero, I feel like. Yeah. All right. Live action had a big week this week. We got four live, up to four live action cameos because we had your Lauren show up again at the ISV meeting, so that was, he's up to two now. We had two tubes hanging out outside uh, Saw's place, So we had uh, Nick's, Nick's uh, guy in the prison there. So we have four uh, live action cameos now after we had zero two weeks ago. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, Ruth Scott's there. He's there. Planets, we also got a bump up to nine now. We add Narkina 5 and Segramilo to the board here. So we are still getting more planets and episodes, Pete. I mean, that's great. That's that's uh, on brand for Star Wars. Uh, I, I think it's fantastic. So are you, are you led to believe, both of you, that the more planets we see, the less aliens we see because of budgetary reasons? Uh, the mud's got to go somewhere. Uh, you know, not to say that Mandalorian or the other shows that have come out and are not shot well, but this show, for me, has the best cinematography out of all the live action shows. Definitely. And, and, and I see that they use a lot of location-based cinematography and they're not CGIing a lot of it. I'm sure the prison and everything, everything is there. They're on set. I mean, I feel like with Mandalorian, there was some CGI stuff for like the landscape. And I think they probably use their budgetary resources on traveling and getting to these specific places to make it look as real as possible. Then saying, well, we need to CGI a bunch of really cool things into it. Um, and I actually think because this is a show of more the common person of Star Wars, it makes sense that there's not a ton of CGI or a ton of special effects. Yeah. I and mean- granted, it's the special effects because of, you know, the heist that they pulled and being in space, the flying vehicles and everything like that. So there's still stuff, but it's not overdone like you would normally see. Also, I mean, we talked about this preseason with the with they weren't shooting the volume. That was also, I think, a good call. And this has really helped this show here. I mean, Pete, let's be honest. Like, if we had this scene on Ferrix and we have all these people running around, all of a sudden you see a frog lady. Would that just feel like throw the whole thing, like, out of, like, vibe here? Um... I don't know if it would throw the vibe off or throw it throw me off at all. I would probably just go like, really? Because it's Star Wars, right? There's different species in Star Wars 
commingled all over the place, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a melting pot of of species, and I think that's what makes Star Wars cool. And I and I um, well, one of the reasons I think makes Star Wars cool and and, and interesting. The frog lady is just is just a, I think is a poor choice of character to throw at me, Mike, because I had my gripe with her, and it's just like okay, whatever. But I mean, I I wouldn't be upset if there was a couple of aliens on Ferrix that like lived amongst them because that's that's how Star Wars is. I feel like that's authentic Star Wars. I just don't think they could budget it because look, when they got this greenlit, they probably the the producers or Disney where I was like, well, okay, who's Cassie and Andor? Why are you making a show about it? Like this was probably. This I don't know if you can get the numbers. I would I'm curious to see what the budget was for this show compared to other shows like Mandalorian season two or Book of Boba Fett. I bet you that this is on the low end of how much budget money that they got compared to the other shows. Yeah, I'll take a look at that for sure in in, in a minute here. But we'll also mention here, Nick, no classic lines again. I feel like this one may end up staying at zero. Just a scream. I'm telling you, we're gonna get a scream. Yeah, so that's the scream right there. Maybe you'll see that one and Last but not least here, we have our uh, Andor kill count still at four. I feel like once we break out of prison, I feel like we're going to have this count edge a little bit. Honestly, I don't know. I feel like this Andor has been the the sneakily getaway kind of guy, not the run and gun kind of guy. I don't think he's going to pull a chopper kill count anytime soon either. I, uh, I'm actually... I'm, I don't want to say concerned, but I, I actually kind of don't think he's going to have a high kill count. I think he only winds up with maybe 15 at most. Yeah, well, we have a whole second. I, I, I would agree. I would think even less. I, I'd be shocked if he got double digits. Yeah, well, this season, maybe not. I feel like next season, might see him be more of a gunslinger. Uh, can we carry this tracker over into yes. the next season? Yes, we can. But this with, with the number remaining. Yes, we, we can carry all these over if we want. Okay. Maybe we'll drop classic lines and we don't get the screen. Yeah. All right. Next up here, we'll do our MVPs and LVP section. We Every week, the three of us, if we have a guest to guess too, we'll put in a point for the best and worst characters of the episode here. So here's where we stand as of episode eight, episode seven, honestly. Cassie Andor on top plus six, Luthen plus five, Sinta and Mon Mappa tie for third plus three, Lieutenant Gorm plus two. Then the pilot plus one is Marva Andor, Nemec, and Dedra. Bix is zeroed out. The two Stooges who Cassian kills in episode one are negative one. So are Gorn's lackeys and Vel and Skeen. So that's a foursome there. Negative twos. Tim with two M's. Two negative points for each M in his name. Perrin, Lita, and Commandant Biaz. Negative three for Blevin. And Nick, you see, you like to change the font here. He's now BOS employee car is negative seven. Okay, so Nick's having a mic issue right now. He's got to work on that. You know, Pete, P- do you like keeping track of we're changing uh, Karn's job title every time? I think that's funny. I do. I That's great. I think that's how it should be. Yeah, so right now he's BOS employee Karn. Yeah, I mean, that's what he is, right? So yeah. we should we should keep him that way. Maybe we should just do like separate ones, like which which employee gets the negative points? Like, does the BOS employee get the negative? Does it, you know... <laughs> Yeah, that's all one Karn here. So, Nick, are you all good now? Any thoughts on the Karn's employment? Uh, you tell me. Am I all good? Yep, you're good. All right. Uh, well, that, that is his current role, but I think that role will change soon. Yeah, if it changes, we'll update again here as well. So we're going to start out now. We're going to start with on the positive we always do here. MVPs. Nick, I'll let you go first this week. Who's the MVP of the week? I'm going to give my MVP to Saw Guerrera. For everything that you mentioned, Mike, when you spoke about him, is that 
you put it perfectly. Luthen always leads the room, leads the conversation, and he was put in his place by Saw. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. I'm going to give one, like, this is a strange one, considering like, what this episode was. I'm going to give one to the Empire, for all the reasons you mentioned about their prison policy. Like, it is literally, like, executed perfectly. Like, they have a setup where, like, they keep the people fighting against each other, not against them. And, like, De Dedra also is doing a good job with the ISB. They feel like the Empire are very good weeks. I'll give the Empire a point. Pete, where do you want to go with yours? Uh, I'm going Saw Guerrero as well. Um, such a great scene. I mean, and, and comparatively to all the other characters, I feel like he had the most impact. So I'm, I'm giving him the MVP. All right. LVP. I'll start this one out here. I'm going to add another one to the car and pile here. I'm going to drop him down to negative eight tier because this dude, I mean, poor Uncle Harlow spent a lot of political capital to get him this job. He's using his, he's supposed to be keeping track of fuel lines and he's, using his time to work for information on Andor. He ends up getting a lifeline from Dedra who comes to him for help, and he tries to overplay his hand again and gets punked by Dedra. So Karn's losing another point for me. So Karn's going down to negative eight. Pete, where are you going with your LVP? Luthen is getting my LVP. The, the two scenes he was in was detrimental to the strength of his character. Detrimental. He pretty much got schooled by two people. Saw Guerrero, he deserved to get school by his assistant. Is it, is it Leia? It's Clea. Clea, is it? Okay. I thought he said Leia. But anyway, no business being schooled by his assistant. I mean, like, he's just kind of rolling over and playing dead right now. And I, it's just, like I said, detrimental to the credibility of this character this episode. So he's getting an LVP. Uh, Nick, where are you, who's your LVP of the week? I got to give it to Cassian again. Um, he just doesn't make me feel like he's the main character in the show when he's supposed to be the main character in the show. And the fact that I see him on top of the list too, makes me feel like, well, he, he hasn't been the best character in the show. I don't nothing. He hasn't done that many issues. This episode, I feel like he just overshadowed. Same with last, our, our guest, Nick Blasio gave him the LVP last week for that reason. And I, I'm giving it for the same reason. I just feel like he's being overshadowed and the show would work if he didn't exist. Yeah, I mean, I feel like all of his points came, I think, the, from the premiere, I think, episode five, he had, he had a bunch of points. Yeah, yeah, he did. But this episode, I feel like you could have not been in it, and they could have just used a random prisoner, and it would have worked just fine. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go now to the grades for the week here. So, Pete, grade your episode on a scale of 1 to 10. Once again, 1 is worse than the Star Wars holiday special. 10 is the pinnacle of Star Wars entertainment here, so... We're talking about the 1978 Holiday Special. So what's your grade for the week? So I can't remember. What was my grade for last week's episode? Was it a 6 or a 7? I I will check for you real quick. Just give me one second to pull up last week's rundown and take a peek at that here. So I believe it was a 6. Yo, you gave it a 7 last week. 7, yeah. So I, I, I thought it was a 7. I'm giving it a 7.5. Uh, it's trending upwards. And I know that this is probably about the highest I've scored one of these episodes. But I didn't feel bogged down by a boring storyline this episode. I felt like all the information I received made me question what's going to happen next and also brought me, drew me into wanting to watch the next episode, which I felt like the previous four didn't really do a great job do in doing. Um, and Saw Guerrero, man. I mean, I, I can't get enough of the character. And he's he was only on screen for four minutes. And it's just uh, it's making me excited for how and I'm, hopefully this is not wasted opportunity. Hopefully we get more of Saw in the rest of the season and him just completely just doing work and, and being the intelligent mind that he is in the show. So I'm going seven and a half. 
Uh, I will go. I'll, actually, uh, Nick, you're next. If you asked me this question at 6 a.m. when I watched the episode, I would have told you a two. But maybe I just, maybe I was too tired and couldn't appreciate it. I'm going to give this episode an eight. Big change, I know. But um, I just think that this episode is a good episode of a television show. And this has just been a good television show. Simple as that. And um, I think the amount of times I've mentioned in this podcast alone, how many things I can go, go see going in different ways makes me that much more excited for the final arc or two of this show. I, and I think this episode speaks volumes. And there's so many different things that I'm like, I can see that happening or this happening or this happening. And that's how you want your end of season to go. I'll give it a seven. I think for me, it's a little lower than you guys. I feel like it was still a very good episode. I feel like I was more captivated last week. I mean, there's nothing. Don't get me wrong. I feel like the the stuff with Luthen Luthen and Saw at the end was probably like a highlight of the entire two weeks. But I feel like as a whole, I feel like I feel like the last week was better. I feel like this was a very good episode, not a great one in my opinion. I give it a seven. Well, me and you both probably would have gave it a two or a three if we spoke at seven a.m. Yeah, that's for sure. Last but not least, predictions for next week here. So Nick, you lead us off. What's happening next week? Well, based on what we've seen, I think we're going to see a third din- dinner party. <laughs> and I'm going to go back to Bosque. I think he'll be there. And I think we're going to see Cassian get out of prison. I don't think he could be in prison more than maybe he gets out of prison. in. This is episode nine coming up, right? Yep. So maybe he gets out of prison in ten. But I'm going to guess that he gets out of prison this episode. And um, I don't know if he's going to get him out yet. It could be Saw. It could be his friend in there. It could be Luthan. I really don't know. But I think he gets out, and we got dinner party number three at Bosk. Dinner party number three at Bosk. I'm going to focus on the Ferrex angle here. I'm going to say that we get a long like interrogation scene with uh, Dedra and Bix, where she gets Bix to crack on Cassian, like maybe like by like trying to torture somebody like who who Bix is close to. So I feel like that she gets the name Marva Andor out of this. So I feel like they, there's a lot of Dedra makes more progress investigation here. I'm also going to say, I feel like Saw Guerrero has a big role next week. I feel like this conversation with Luthien is not over. Luthien's got to go back in hat in hand, try and get him back on the, uh, either buying the thing or doing a job for him. I feel like that's that's going to be, we get Luthien Saw Part 2. So, Pete, what do you think? I agree with you. I was going to say Luthien Saw Part 2. We're going to go hot take, and I'm going to say we're going to see a character that is familiar to us, not necessarily fan service but we're finally going to get some sort of character that we know. Um, and possibly we finally get a point on the draft. Um, only because I feel like Saw Guerrero is going to be more involved and that's going to bring other characters that we know. And hopefully it brings more characters that we know. What I don't understand, Mike, is how could she make progress in her investigation at all if no one knows where he is? Like, it's not like Bix doesn't know he's in jail, right? No, I mean, in terms of, like, she gets closer to, like, she pulls another layer off the onion and gets, like, sort of information, like, oh, like, he went here. Like, I got my contact. I put him in touch with my contact, and this is who this guy is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am right about that. Like, not one person knows he's in jail, right? No, I mean, like, they, they, we talk- anyone in jail doesn't know who he is. So there's not one person in the entire galaxy that knows Castian Andor is in jail. No, they do not know that. I will say, I mean, one thing I forgot to mention the ISB meeting was basically like that they that Dedra mentions to Yawar and he's like, we have a theory that they that all these people work together with one guy. We're calling him Axis. We don't have a name for this guy, so maybe they get the name Luthen out of this guy. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's definitely ways you can go with the investigation without necessarily knowing Cassian's in prison. And you probably won't need to know Cassian's in prison because he'll, if my prediction is right, your prediction can be more right too. If he gets out, you won't need to know he's in there because he'll come right in front of you. Yeah, that's for sure. So that's a good place to leave this week. We'll be back next week. We're now we have a guest booked. We are going to confirm a time on that one. So we'll talk to. We're not going to reveal who that is yet. We'll save it for next week. See they pop up here. And I want to thank you guys for coming on as always. Pete, if you want to find on social media, how can I do that? At PJ Constory twenty nine. The freaking Rangers are giving me heart palpitations and Ajda right now. But um, yeah, on Twitter at PJ Constory twenty nine, you'll probably see some hockey rants out there and. uh of course, retweeting the show. All right, Nick, how about you? I feel follow you on the social media streets. I want to keep up what you're up to. Uh, Nick Fry underscore nine, and these Pistons are giving me the same. I mean, we, I got the over on them, and you know, you one and four after tonight, losing to the Hawks right now, and I, I just just need you to win 29 more games. That's for sure. You can also follow me on Twitter, mphilips three three one. It's M P H I L I P S three three one. Got an episode out already in the Justin and the Suffering podcast week. I talked to Dan Federico, Nick, about the end of the Yankee season. We had a long vent session about that. Also got a plug here because I have an interview podcast coming out this week here. I talked to author Jeff Perlin, the author of this book here, The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. So I talked to him. That episode is going to be out in the podcast feed as well. So you want to get that conversation, check it out. All right, go Giants. Absolutely. And with that... I will I will say until then until next week may the force be with you